Again, we're going to have um, a longer Q&A session at 3 o'clock. So what we thought we'd do while you're eating is allow you to kind of ask some questions right now, but <clears throat> try to make these questions a little bit more personal for um, Jason and Kathy Grace and maybe their personal journey, their personal history, their personal struggle, and not so much uh, the, the typical questions that we might ask um, at 3 o'clock. So what I'll do is you just raise your hand if you have a question, and I'll uh, send this mic around. But I, I wanted to let you guys know, not only are we going to send out that PowerPoint or the PDF file, but we're also recording the conference, but we're asking that you'd be responsible with that recording if you want the recording and we'll get you that recording. Because somebody pointed out what good is the PowerPoints if we don't have like an audio that goes with it. So Jason, um, we're just asking that you be responsible for that. Don't post it somewhere on multimedia where millions of people, oh, I heard this really great conference, check this, because it's just gonna invite, he has enough pressure already and enough hate mail, he doesn't need any more. So just use it, keep it for personal use, or if you're gonna let somebody listen to it, be responsible in who you're letting do that. Does that make sense? Did we have a question right here? All right, you guys got, your mics are right? Oh, you can share one. Do you got the, are you good, John? He grabbed Bill's mic, okay. Where are you, that one? There we go, Hello. he's got it, control. Hi. Uh, Kathy Grace, I was wondering, um, you didn't talk too much about people trying to change you while you were going through this. And I, I can imagine that as we address people with the information that you've given us, they are carrying the baggage of the quotation marks Christians who are hitting them with, you can call it truth, without love wrapped around it or even information. Um, how much do you feel that we are going to come up against that, that having to unwrap what was, you know, thrown at them in fear or hatred, people thinking that they're honoring God by hating someone who is dealing with this, and how long do you think it'll take before we can get through that and give them truth and love? me out here okay because it's like um, so I lived as a man for 11 years and when I was in the lifestyle I was so convincing that no one ever I, I wasn't ever hated it was the coming out the people who had well-meaning people and and I think they really intended to do the right thing but they saw it as this is what you need to do to be a woman, you need to be wearing makeup, and you need to be wearing a dress, and you need to be, and you know, I, I'm overwhelmed. I am still shaving, you know, and the, the effects of the hormone are still, you know, rotating through my body. And it's like, I, I didn't know. So I would hold that out to the Lord. I'm like, what do you say? Should I be doing this? Because I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the proper timing is. And fortunately, I had mentors at the same time, and they're like, you know, you can't, you can't embrace that until your heart has changed, you know? And it wasn't that I was reluctant to do that. It's just my heart wasn't there. I had to figure out 
who I am as a woman before I could even begin to embrace all those things that go along with it. And so I, I would be gracious and I'd be like, thank you. But my, my encouragement would to be is don't make them a project. They're not a project. They need a friend. I needed a friend. And <coughs> if you make them a project, so the, the people who made me in project, I could tell. And I was like, get back. And I could tell that they didn't love me. They were more concerned about my exterior and what I looked like to hang out with them rather than what was really going on in my heart. What was I really dealing with? What was the pain that needed to be healed? So it's looking at meeting them where they are. And it took probably, probably about five years, really, before I could begin to embrace uh, changing the way I dressed. And some of that came naturally as I, in that five-year process, um, I would put on something and I'd be like, ah, I don't really want to wear this anymore. This is my favorite shirt. I can't wear it anymore. I probably cleaned out my closet four or five times, <laughs> you know? But it came from that conviction within because my heart had changed. And the, out, the outer can't change until the inside changes. Since we are probably trying to change the heart, because to be lined up with God, they would already be saying, okay, this isn't the lifestyle for me, and maybe they'd be looking for answers. If I'm talking to someone who isn't a believer, but has been quote-unquote attacked by believers, how much of that has to be undone? How, how, how as a Christian can I show them Jesus if they see Jesus with a sickle in one hand and a shield in the other and a look of, dis, you know, uh, disgust on his face, how can I show them that Jesus is looking at them with love? So I would encourage you to be Jesus. Um, you don't need to bring the gospel into that conversation. You live that. And you become their friend. There's a, a lot of people that I work with that have no idea about my... Um, what I do at the Portland Fellowship. They have no idea of my testimony, but they know that I love them. And they're all in the lifestyle. They know that I'm different and they know they can come and talk to me and I will give them wisdom. I don't preach at them. So <coughs> they know that I'm their friend. So on that day when they find out, oh, you what? You do what kind of work? They'd be like, oh, but I know you love me and I'm not gonna force my beliefs on you, but I will come alongside you. Just like um, I shared earlier um, when we went out to breakfast, there was this guy that was very much in the lifestyle. And um, he felt safe enough with me to come in my office and sit there and cry because his partner had a heart attack. And at the same time, I had a revelation of, oh my gosh, you can love. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw people in the lifestyle as human. I knew they had feelings, but I didn't, connect that, wow, they actually love their partner, you know? But he, he knew there was something different about me that he could come and trust. And I don't think he knows I'm a Christian, but he knew there was something different. And so that's why I would encourage, be Jesus. And at an appropriate time, if you can bring Jesus into the conversation, then do so. But do it as you're talking about your friend, you know? else? So, Kathy Grace, this is also for you. Um, 
we know how you described your family of origin as affecting you. I'm curious what effect it had on your older and younger brothers. Sure. So at the, at the very beginning, um, everything was cut off with my family. Now my older brother, um, he eventually uh, contacted me and wanted to know really what I was doing. And so I explained it to him, I've, I've become a man, I've begun to live as a man, and this is the deal, and he was cool with that. And, um, and then eventually we lost contact again, and, and then um, I met up with my little brother. I can't remember exactly how we connected, but then he and I began to hang out, and there was a, another guy that I had as a friend, and so all three of us would go out, okay, I was drinking at that point, but we would all go out on Friday and Saturday nights and drink beer and just have fun. Um, and then uh, when I came out of the lifestyle, it's interesting, I had connected with my little sister at the same time, so I have a little brother, little sister, and then an older brother, and I reconnected with my sister too. They, they for whatever reason, got curious about my life, and um, we reconnected. And then when I came out of the lifestyle, <laughs> both of them cut me off again, and I'm like, I'm walking in the truth, and you guys do what? Um, now, my little brother and I, um, we have a, I guess I would call it a very, very, very long-distance relationship. I see him once every probably three years, and it's just because we're all together as a family. My sister, interesting enough, has cut off everybody, so it wasn't just me, but I was the first. Um, but she's cut everybody off, and to a degree, she's a lot like my dad which is really sad. My older brother and I, um, when I came out of the lifestyle, I confronted him about the sexual abuse. He denied it, which the Lord, I felt he really readied my heart for that. And um, so we talked about that. And when I hung up the phone, I realized he doesn't understand what he did. And I'm not sure he ever will. But the Lord has settled that in my heart. And my brother and I, my older brother and I, we have a relationship. He lives up the street from me. Um, he comes over, takes care of my cats when I leave and stuff like that. They come over on the holidays. So there's been a real reconciliation. And as I've laid that down as far as holding him responsible, that has enabled me to see him differently and be able to speak truth into his life as far as just who Jesus is. And because um, he was under this old Pentecostal belief system and had this real religious view of Jesus and and, but my life and the testimony that I have has really shooken that up in him. So it, it's opened that door for me to say, well, I don't think God's like that. And so um, my dad and I reconciled um, before he passed. And my mom and I were still kind of figuring that out. So my favorite color is green. <laughs> Mine's red. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh. <laughs> oh, what we're doing? The babies can ask a question. <laughs> he would talk if I let him. <laughs> I have two questions. One is, um, I work with young adult college age women a lot and 
I've run into uh, some that have bad relationships with both mom and dad and um, are then just sexually active, not necessarily struggling with SSA, but um, there's, there's that issue. And I'm wondering, um, as a woman, I know this is kind of broad, but how can I seek to play that role when I'm not that much older um, and seeking to fill that void? And then my other question is um, thinking about how this plays out like those positive um, same gender roles mm. playing out within the context of the church, even within children's ministry, is there a way that we can actively maybe get men involved in boys' lives and women involved in boys' lives that will be effective even from age, you know, 36 months on? Does that make any sense? To answer your second question, yeah, I, I, obviously we need to step up as men with men and women for women in our church. At, um, as I alluded to and share, shared, there's that, that need to connect, need to bond, and if it's not happening, they're going to find it. That's, I think, why gangs are popular and, and desirable for young men to, to connect with someone that they can relate to and connect with. So then the practical questions of connecting with people, especially kids that you can't truly simply identify with. It's easy for some of us men to find a young man who wants to pick up a hammer and build something. But when that, son, when that kid is looking for something that is very different than your interest, it takes effort and intentionality to make connections. And so I think even talking about it and coming up, I, you know, I'm a father and I need to Google something and brainstorm opportunities and, and action plan for ways to connect with my son that I don't normally think about. That's just not on my radar. I was never trained up. So the same thing with the church. I would encourage the men to go, what is it that I could do that's not threatening, that's invitational? I, I imagine any kid that receives that will feel, feel, feel cared for, pursued, desired. You don't even need to talk about the homosexuality thing if you suspect, suspect a, a struggle. Mm -hmm. Simply coming alongside and pouring into him is, is filled with life, filled with joy. And I would say to answer your first question is, is understanding that that behavior is brokenness. She's looking for something. Um, she's looking for an intimate relationship, you know, for that, that need, that unmet need that was meant to be filled by her parents that wasn't. And it's looking how to come alongside her and fill that need as a friend. Um, asking questions, maybe not necessarily telling her what she needs to do, but asking questions. Why do you, why do, you do that? What, do, you, do you think you're seeking something in this? You know, um, even though you're not that much younger, you're actually kind of a peer age. And so um, inviting her into a safe space to begin to either share that pain, it may take a while to get into that place where she's gonna trust you, um, but when you do, she will be able to share that pain with you and what she's seeking, and then that's when you can bring in the healing for her as a friend. I just want to reiterate, uh, I think what I shared was that um, Portland Fellowship has been a tremendous avenue of healing and God speaking truth into my life and finding wholeness and understanding and resolving, et cetera, et cetera. But to be really honest with you, the deeper healing came at college in my dorm section with people about my age that knew of my struggle but loved me, prayed for me, encouraged me. I, I can't quite quantify it. I can't explain it to you directly. 
but Portland Fellowship's like the info place, and then we go, go and do. <clears throat> and so the, the, that's why I want to be able to say someone like yourself, as well as everyone in this room, what an incredible opportunity to minister to those who are lost, confused about their gender, their sexuality, their identity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and, and not have to pinpoint the exact detailed problem, just be present in their life. In fact, that's probably the better route to go. And I would add just one last thing, and that is pray for her. And the Lord's going to give you insight as far as where the damage was done, how to pray for her, how to connect with her, how to be that safe place. And as you do that place of intercession, the Lord's going to open the doors for you. I think we might have one more time for one more question. We have a family support group uh, for parents of homosexuals, and um, we have three out of our seven families, the child is an adoptee. Um, I know there are a lot of issues, rejection, and things that go along with that, but I didn't know if you could address some of the factors maybe that, are, that go into being adopted. I'm, I'm certainly not an expert on that. I wouldn't be able to say my observation, though, in relationships I have, I find it fascinating that... American adopted children have, in my only my perspective, very small perspective, have had serious issues with their identity and their adopted parents. They don't feel that love and acceptance. While overseas adoption is a different story, adopting from Korea or something like that, um, there's a there's more of a gratitude and a, and a connection. So that right there, I think, has some some issues involved. But but when it comes down to it, I think it's the issue of identity and. Although we all have been adopted into the kingdom of God, into, into his family, so we can relate that way, it's, I think, a difficult thing for someone as a person to process, even if they have all the facts, process that my biological parent didn't want me. And so there's going to be an intrinsic thing that happens that needs resolution, at, le needs, at least needs talking about and, and working through, even if they seem fine to go, do you feel... Even though, logically speaking, no, either they died or, or there was a legitimate reason for giving me up, there still is going to be something inside that says, I'm not wanted, I'm not desired. And then, then that translates on rejection of the adopted parents, God the Father. It can certainly create problems. Anyway, that's from my limited perspective, I've seen that kind of a, a response. I haven't worked with very many people who have been adopted but there is one person that really sought the Lord as far as their identity in Christ and having that whole abandonment issue healed and dealt with. And the Lord met him powerfully. And for them to understand that they belong now in the family of God, that whoever gave them up didn't make the right choice or couldn't make the right choice. And so they forgave their parents for, you know, giving them up, basically abandoning them, abandoning them and rejecting them and then was able to receive that from the Lord. So I think forgiveness is a big deal, um, looking at that as far as whatever the parents couldn't or wouldn't or sh maybe even shouldn't, and then allowing the Lord to come in and fill that place, and he's totally able to do that. It's amazing. All right, we will have an extended time uh, in, a, in about an hour or so uh, for, for more Q&A, um, and so, but now we'll get, have a worship come up and sit down. All right.